Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, where theology matters. We're doing a family integrated uh, podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, yes we are. Yeah, so this is podcast two of probably three that we're going to do with uh, some fellow uh, Theology Matters admins who traveled a far way. So far. Yeah. So far. Uh, to, to be here with us, to visit, take a little vacay down to the great city of Charleston. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So okay. last uh, podcast we were talking about ecclesiology and mm. some church stuff. And uh, I don't think we said all that we wanted to say. So there's I said a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Kiefer's Sorry. actually not allowed to talk in this. Yeah, I'm out on this one. So. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, we, put, we put Kiefer in the quiet box for. Nobody puts baby in the corner. I know, I know. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about. We talked a little bit about elders and if they have to preach. And I pulled up First Timothy, and it, and it says specifically that they have to be able to teach. Uh, mm-hmm. But doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be in a active preaching role. Um, and I think it's clear. I think we all agree that the Bible is clear that there's a plurality. Uh, which I grew up, there was a pastor and deacons, mm, and the same. deacons weren't really elders, and they weren't really deacons. They were kind of somewhere between, mm-hmm. and a congregational rule. <coughs> so you know, you could vacate the pulpit, like just the congregation say, "Hey." We don't want you preaching for us anymore. Does everyone agree? Everyone agree? All right. Bye. Mm-hmm. Which say was a I. very, yeah, say I. So actually, the very first church I kind of grew up in, there were people that were on the roll books forever, like just members, but never showed up. Mm. And then I, I, was, I remember thinking one time, I haven't seen these families here in forever. Why did all these families who never show up show up and like they were friends with someone and they called them all in so they could vote the pastor out which yeah so these people who never show up you know vote ah yeah let's get this guy out and then you know they don't show up again but that's not really the purpose of this particular (laughs) uh podcast so um i think in second opinions it allows you to take those type of people out behind the woodshed uh second opinions (laughs) yeah what chapter is that uh i think it's chapters (laughs) three and four Oh, mm. actually, yeah. yeah, that's good. Got a lot of chapters. Mm. So, were there other aspects of eldership or, or deacons? Can can women be elders? No. Why is why are you so bigoted, Michael? Yeah, well, I don't like women. Wow, <laughs> so aggressive. Yeah, no, women are the worst. <laughs> well, I guess sarcasm I'll, signs. I guess Sorry, I'll leave then. No, we yeah. really should a little light it up. Yeah, I like the applause. Sign. No, I mean, uh, no, it's uh, it's. Because scripture says so. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's pretty clear. Elder, husband, can't be a husband if you're a woman. So. Right. Can, um, here's a question. Can a woman be a deacon? So, uh, before I came to our church, we were, we went to another church where they voted the pastor out. Um, we went with him because he was biblical and the people who were voting him out were very, very not. Actually, it never got. He he left on his own right before they were about to because he said, I don't want to put the church through the official vote process. But he knew that it was going to go against him. And as we and I was on the a team of five men who wrote the constitution or bylaws. I can't remember what we called it. And we, we discussed this issue. And in fact, this was one of the 
biggest sticking points was, uh, I mean, elders, we were all like, yeah, that's pretty plain and easy. And then when it came to deacons and deaconesses, my position is no. I don't think, I think that both of the offices in the church are reserved by scripture for men. A um, couple of people, we, we were five of us, I think it was two, two, and one was undecided. And so it took a while to hash it out. Um, but I, the best commentaries I could find that work through this issue seem to say, in spite of some early church history practices, that what Paul mm-hmm. meant was that the deacons were men and that the instructions that he gives to the wives is because of the function of the deacon, especially in the early church, frequently the wives would go with their husbands in service because there were certain areas the men just couldn't go. And so it was it was seen kind of as a team office, but it was actually held by the husband. Interesting. I've always been, well, not always, probably recently more been pro female deacons but I understand what you're saying and that also makes sense um so like I know some churches that call the couples pastors so and so like pastors Kiefer and Sarah maybe sometimes the woman preaches sometimes the woman doesn't but she still has that title of pastors I don't even like that yeah I don't like that um it just it just seems like we're trying to carry a title that's not really ours and it shouldn't be ours for deacons I do feel like and I haven't done a whole lot of study, but it seems like they're more so like designated helpers for a specific cause. For instance, maybe you have a woman in charge of children's ministry, she could be deacon. But I, I also would agree that if a man was a deacon, his wife would more or less also be a deacon. But I just don't think that translates also to a man is a pastor, so the wife is also a pastor kind of thing. Yeah. Is that well, kind I think of right? And I mean, even still, like the first line is uh, for like to be an elder is the desire for the office. Yeah. So before you get to anything, it's like you have to deal with the desire of the office because you can definitely have men who uh, meet that criteria. They're husbands of one wives and they're doctrinally sound and they, uh, you know, any, anything in any of this here, uh, self-controlled, sensible, respectable, hospitable, uh, and, and they're able to teach. They just don't have a desire for, for the office. Now, we, we, our church takes the perspective that um, every male is like the elder of his family, mm-hmm. so they're responsible for that. But mm-hmm. if you don't desire to be a church elder, that's okay. That's okay, and we're not yeah. going to force you. So you have to first wrestle with that, and then you can kind of get into, I would say, like the de- like because a woman may again meet a lot of these qualifications, but not have the desire right. for the office. And now you're thrusting the office onto someone who doesn't necessarily yeah. want it. And I think that's a major problem with a lot of churches is they find a man who meets these qualifications and can teach but they're like oh well clearly you're supposed to be a, a preaching pastor of a church now we're going to ship you off to seminary and you're going to go you're going to go preach but I don't necessarily think that any guy who's good with theology is meant to be right. a pastor we need we need doctors with good theology we need you know what I mean we need right. insurance adjusters right. with good theology and yeah. godly men who are filling in those areas so I think it kind of starts there but I think scripture again is clear that mm-hmm. it's it, their offices for for men I guess I've seen deacons not so much as like an office position until he started saying that I was like oh I guess it's still like a church office position I guess in my mind deacons are more of like I said kind of designated helpers our church does not have female deacons we only have male deacons I don't know that I would leave and be even remotely concerned if there was a woman deacon there was a woman elder yes but it seems like deacons are there to help 
run the church in various ways. But I mean, our church is pretty traditional. Like women don't even take offering. They don't, you know, right. obviously not going to administer communion or anything like that. So that's what the deacons or deacons in training do. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I don't think I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I'm in the elder mentorship program, so I am training with the elders to become an elder at our church yeah. or to help be an elder at another Reformed congregation. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. essentially kind of what it's set up to do. So that's what I'm doing now. And that was kind of the first thing. We have maybe been at our current church for a year, but I was able to meet with them, and they kind of got to know me on a mm-hmm. quick basis, and we only start the process. The, the, elder mentorship in September so they kind of like they got to know me and then we they uh, they put us in uh, they they accepted us as members and then I've only taught I guess three times total two small times Mm -hmm. but I've taught two Sunday schools and twice on uh, holiday, so I did our Christmas Eve. I spoke for a few minutes and then Black Friday, but they trusted me. <laughs> Good, Friday. Yeah, Friday. Good Friday. Good Friday. I did do a Sunday yeah, extra. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I did do it. That's what I'm saying. Well, and that's why I asked how long someone had to be going to church before they could preach because they don't let anyone who's not well, again, an elder yeah, or in training to specifically, <clears throat> like, because Kiefer specifically wants to preach. There are a couple people, like I said, deacons and stuff, they do not want to preach. Right. Um, well, we have a guy named Les, I think you'll meet him tonight, um, who has preached a couple times for us, and he's not an elder or a deacon, okay. but he has that desire to, to do so, and he's a known entity, mm-hmm. so we trust yeah. him. So I that's good. And I think that you could have people <clears throat> preaching who aren't necessarily elders, because part of the word elder just means older. I don't think there's like an age requirement, but it has with it this idea of someone who's respected who's been around right. you know mm-hmm. the, the text says um, yeah above reproach mm-hmm. right so they've lived life well enough that you they they have a reputation which right. goes to like you know if there's an elder who needs to be removed um you know how fast can they become an elder again well they need i think they have to have a life that they're at this point in time they're above reproach which is probably not going to happen you know just oh i'm sorry i shouldn't have done that (laughs) right um will you please forgive me now i'm just gonna go back well no it's it's not a you know you're out forever but it's you've got to build up that reputation where people would be like oh yeah that's that's you know tom he would never you know that type of thing yeah it probably takes longer the second time probably the first time you're not having to overcome the negative part and the right. second time after that's come out I mean, right yeah which just makes sense right if somebody messes you over in a business deal it's going to take a while for you to trust that they're going to have integrity mm-hmm. like the guy that i blocked from ever bidding on one of my things this morning mm. from sending me up on facebook Sorry. yeah or like somebody that <laughs> promises to sell you a bible yeah oh, still yeah. haven't forgotten that yeah. Huh? Yeah, I think about it, it, it still stings it really it does it it's does. annoying when people give you their word like that yeah yeah, anyway. yeah. yeah. all right yeah so i guess i would agree i i have read the the diaconess deaconesses thing i think it's confused. pronounced deepak chopra okay I think that's thank what you, you say okay all right <laughs> i never knew that's how it was yeah i think that's how you're <laughs> yes in a, in that's a in the masculine form <laughs> <laughs> okay so, the so I, mean, I haven't done a lot of study on the female deacon thing so i was like uh i need to probably look at that more i, I think we'd all agree the general gist of the word is that Men and women are equal in value, mm-hmm. but that we have different roles, right. and men typically take men take on that leadership role. Right. 
Uh, there are places where we see women stepping up. But generally, that's because some man failed to do what you know mm. he was supposed to do, like in Judges. Yep. Genesis. And, yeah. There you go. So, <laughs> um, what, what were... Uh, I'm struggling to remember. What were some of the other things we were going to talk about? Oh, mixed is the... Well, let's address this. Is right. the new covenant... A mixed covenant, or is it a only for believers covenant? Oh, okay. You just slide that mic over. I'm gonna slide that mic over to the guy who can't talk this. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm letting him talk now. Uh, um, so shout out to actually uh, one of our theology matters members. Uh, I won't say his name because I don't think I don't know they call people out yeah, all the time on this yeah. podcast. Because it's Jacob, pro- right? Jacob Wilson. Nope. Wait. Which I don't know. The which onesie. Room. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was Jacob, Jacob Wilson Thanks, Jacob. Uh, and his wife made us a onesie for our daughter that uh, says, stop trying to baptize me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's a six month, so we're, we're really close for her really being close. really close for her fitting into it. So yeah. I'm very excited. Oh, I wanted it to be her Easter dress, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was too That's big. But uh, theology matters when it... Oh, yeah. I definitely But anyway, so no, it is not mixed. That makes it doesn't make any sense. It is. It is a. It's. It's closed, <laughs> uh, and it is believers. Right. It is believers, and we baptize believers. Well, because baptism is supposed to be a sign of your regeneration and acceptance of Christ. So how can you baptize somebody who hasn't right. done that? I mean, my kind of confusion. Why would you? I, I mean, if the idea is to keep them in the covenant or whatever. I just I don't really see how that works. I think that it's, it's it's tough. Well, first, I think there's some irony there because the paid baptistic view is very reformed, always reformed, uh, and you're saying you're baptizing children. It's not rept- um, it's not salvific. It's not val- salvific, but it, it, it's you're baptizing them and say it is, uh, and then they can choose to walk away from it later. I don't see how that's not Arminianism. Yeah. So it's kind of an ironic position for a <laughs> strongly reformed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it's just kind of like it's just funny to me. Um, <laughs> sorry. And she uh, she's upset. Pay, she, she, she's upset. She, she. Yeah. So I just think it's kind of an odd perspective to take, and I just don't see anywhere in Scripture as well that says this. Now, are there going to be people in the new covenant who continue to sin? Yes. Are there going to be people in the new covenant who are going to? Struggle, yeah, all the time. I send on the way here, so it's just like it thinks. Oh, do tell. Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. I am a rageaholic in the car, real, real bad. Yeah, driving Uh, etiquette is not. Yeah, but but you know, it's just like I think sometimes we take hard lines on things that don't need to be kind of like what we've been discussing, and then other things where I think we're a little too soft on. But I just don't see like, and he can probably speak to this a little bit, a, a little bit more. But I would personally say no, it's not mixed. Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't disagree. No, I wouldn't disagree either. Have y'all done an episode on old new covenants? No, yet? no. Gotcha. I mean, Next, to, I saw a, a, a series. Yeah. To, to be a, to be fair to the Presbyterians, um, I do disagree with them. I do think that pedo baptism is incorrect. Um, the support that they draw for it comes from the fact that they believe that the Mosaic Covenant was an administration of the covenant of grace. Right. And I think 
I think that's where the problem comes in. Mm -hmm. And I think that that problem is what bears itself out in their misunderstanding and misapplication of baptism and also in their misunderstanding and misapplication of church government. Because if you have a mixed congregation, then you don't want unbelievers having governmental power on how the church gets run, Mm -hmm. which then makes it have sense that you've got this hierarchy where they won't, they won't ordain somebody who's not a believer. And, and you know, they're not baptizing adults that don't have a valid profession of faith. And also the mixed covenant or the mixed nature of the covenant as they believe it is the children of believers who are not elect. Right. So once they become adults, then they have to kind of like choose. So it's only the children who are unbelievers that's a member of a, of a, of the Presbyterian Church. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I don't really know how they handle it when children who have stayed in the church and haven't invalidated some profession by but gross not sin, really right? And so, so kind of a nominal type of believer. Yeah. I don't know how they handle that. My my outside looking in assumption is that they believe that they have adults who kind of say or mouth the gospel things mm-hmm. but aren't actually believers and it's not really necessarily their job to suss yeah. that out and so you know if if the new covenant is a different administration of the same covenant of grace that the old covenant was and if baptism represents the same thing that circumcision did then their arguments make sense. And I go, okay, that's true, but I don't see the new covenant and the old. I mean, the Mosaic covenant to me was a national covenant that was with a particular people that was in place in order to bring about the Messiah according to the flesh. Um, I I don't think it was salvific in nature at all. Hmm. I believe that the spiritual side of the Abrahamic promises existed within the Mosaic Covenant to the remnant of Israel that was actually believing Israel. But when you get to the New Covenant, you know, Jeremiah, when he talks about it in Jeremiah 31, it's very clear that we all have the law of God written on our hearts. Ezekiel 36, yeah. Right, and I see no no evidence in the New Testament that would change any of my understanding of that. So I believe it's very clear that all of those in the New Covenant are professing believers— Therefore, the sacraments or the ordinances are given only to those members of the New Covenant who are professing believers. So you baptize, you know, and, and Presbyterians will push back and go, oh, well, what about people who walk away from the faith? Clearly you were wrong. Okay, fine. It's not our job to be perfect, but it's our job to say, to the best of our knowledge, after testing these people, they're candidates for baptism based on a valid profession of faith, and they are candidates for the Lord's Supper based on not invalidating that valid profession of faith. Yeah, and I would say there's a difference between someone knowingly attempting to extend the new covenant to an unbeliever versus someone making a false profession of faith. And then once we discover or they reveal that, no, they're not believers, then we say, okay, well, you're not really a member of this covenant, then you've been kind of pretending. Those are different. But Presbyterians, in this discussion, I've heard them frequently kind of argue back that Baptists are inconsistent because we can't know perfectly who believers are, so we are administering the sacraments to non-believers. And I I agree with you. I think that's a bad argument because the intention... (laughs) <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, the intention is to give it only to believers, and mm-hmm. sometimes we fail, mm-hmm. but 
we ought to fail after attempting to not fail. Anything else on that topic you want to talk about? I do find it interesting. So I think that I think the Presbyterian position frequently is highly inconsistent because they will baptize babies, but not give communion until you're mm. able to profess. But there actually is a subset of Presbyterians that do pedo communion. Wow. Uh huh. I think you guys just lost your League and Ear sponsorship. Trying to. Trying to hook you guys up, but and that's and that's the thing, and, and and kind of piggybacking off what he said with that is like there. Are, I mean, a lot of great. There's not a lot of good Reformed Baptist resources out there. There just aren't. Like they're growing and it's getting there. There's but, like 17th century ones, and then the last 10 years. 10 years. Yep. 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 <laughs> and it's like, like five guys. It's literally like <laughs> Nehemiah Cox, and then just if your last name is Renahan, like that's yep. that's and, or Barcelo. Yeah. So it's well, really, Waldron. Oh yeah, Waldron, yeah. Waldron. Yeah, but, but but in the 17th century, you can look to John Owen. Oh, big time! You yeah. can read his stuff on Hebrews, and he was basically a Reformed Baptist then, but his actual practice was more Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Yeah, I, mean, I think he was actually a Congregationalist, wasn't he? John John Owen was yeah. a Congregationalist, but um, but you know, again, much respect to those guys. Much respect. To, I owe a lot to to RC. I mm-hmm. owe a lot to uh, Sinclair Ferguson. Like, and then all the Pedo Baptist Puritans I've read. Mm-hmm. You know, some of my favorite people are. Um, you we know, don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater. The, the or Baptist the, or the baptismal water. water. Yeah, 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 <laughs> for sure. But uh, but yeah, no, nothing, nothing else from me yeah. on that. Um, there was a oh, no. no you, got, you said nothing else. Yeah, nothing else. Well, I think you made a good point earlier when you said um, you were talking about non-believers being in the church and like being able to vote on church politics and whatnot I think it kind of goes back to the church being for believers and before you let anyone become members you should like you said test them and yeah we can't know for sure if everybody's a believer just because they say they are and sometimes just because they act like they are but ultimately if you're if we're doing a job as our church by we I mean the men um just to clarify <laughs> if you're doing your job by by having people you know show that they're a christian by the way that they walk um, before they can become members i think you do avoid a lot of that trouble right. um and that's why i don't think and that's the tough, church because i've been because we do we like we sit down <clears throat> and listen to folks testimonies yeah we had to do that to join mm-hmm. our church too and before i was ever an elder in fact when we were giving our testimony uh, there was another couple giving their testimony together, which is probably not a, a good thing because if you do need to ask some more probing questions, you may not want to do it in front of another couple. But it's oh, I, it was two couples together. Yeah, it was me and Jill and another oh, couple. Goodness, that's yeah. And um, I thought you were saying you shouldn't do the couple at the same time. No, I think that's probably okay. <laughs> but it's tough because I've been on that questioning side. And you don't. You don't. It's not a theology test. Right. You know, but right. you want to hear kind some. Of. Yeah, <laughs> it, I mean, the, there is basic theology there required. Has to be, I say soteriology. You've got to profess right. a valid yeah. theology. I mean, when you're doing right. this, yeah. it may be small, but as right. long as you're not on a soteriology band, then yeah, you're gonna have to. You're gonna have to <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. So there's this fine line of like trying to give them the answer, or like you say the answer, and like, do you agree to that? I, I. Because what are they going to say? No, I don't agree to it. You know, right. Hopefully. Um, Hopefully. Yeah. But I mean, like, if you've got somebody in there that's like, yeah, man, I mean, when Michael 
same person as Jesus died on the cross for me. Like that's a like, whoa. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm not. That, that's a theology question. Right? Yeah, and I'm not talking about people giving over wrong theology. I'm yeah. saying that you know they give very minimalistic stuff. I and you want to hear more stuff like I realized I was a sinner headed to hell and that Christ died for me on the cross. Like if even like and you don't want to give them those things to say. Um, you want to hear that come out mm-hmm. of them naturally. So, yeah. But I do agree that that is a role of, you know, guarding, you know, the church membership mm-hmm. for only those who are truly believers. Right. I actually think the harder thing, and I, and I agree that that's difficult because in our culture, telling somebody, I don't think you're a believer and we're not going to put you forward for membership at this time. I mean, that... that I would not ever want to do that. Yeah. I actually think it's harder to come back after the fact to somebody and say, we've let you in as a member, but we believe mm. that you're not. Yeah. Based on the ongoing pattern of your life, we're not seeing any... Yeah. I mean... In fact, are you available tomorrow after church for a quick meeting with the elders? <laughs> <laughs> Which, now one, that you which mentioned one of that. them isn't showing enough fruit? <laughs> no, they always funny. do that to me at our church, and I always have a sinking feeling that I did something wrong. Like, I always <laughs> believe them for a second. I'm yeah. like, huh. Uh, like, uh, they'll always give me, like, you're good to preach tonight, right? I'm like, what? And I fall for it every time, every time. Man, I got a, a big promotion at the very end of March, Yay. and my boss called me, and he never, like, he's a very hands off guy. We're developers. He's not. He's just running the company. So we don't talk very much. So he gives me a call, which is a hugely positive call. And I'm looking at it going, oh, no. I'm fired. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the opposite result. Right. It was like totally the opposite. But I'm with you. It's like if somebody says, hey, can we talk? Oh, what did I do? You know? Yeah, well, we need to talk. Yeah. Like, She'll tell you that I am instant meltdown person. I, I am too, though. I am too, because I, I don't like to. Have we covered every? Is that? Is there any more peas to, to talk about? Yeah, unless we wanted to maybe quickly talk about spiritual gifts, and then mm-hmm. uh, we could go into our Q&A uh, episode <laughs> after this. Well, no, I actually. <laughs> what? No spoilers. Oh, is your question on spiritual uh, gifts? I mean, it could be. How okay. many? How many questions are we allowed to ask in the next? We've got one? two. Okay. One is a hopefully two-minute one, oh, okay. and then one's a serious. <laughs> is Jesus and Michael the same person? Two minutes? <laughs> no, this, yeah. this is more of a serious question, but I think we can actually resolve. Okay. It, it was something a coworker of mine said that his daughter asked him. Okay. And so I thought, you know, it, it's a it's a mm. good question from an eleven-year-old. I hope we can come up with a yeah. suitable scriptural answer sure. pretty quickly and then I've got another one that it's kind of a retread on the discussion that we've had as admins but sure okay. so let me let me just for the sake of brevity kind of walk through the right view of the right gifts. view of spiritual gifts <laughs> and then if y'all want sure. to disagree you can you can Probably if you want to so i think our pastor he's taught on spiritual gifts a lot and he has this thing where he says spiritual gifts are and if you've been around you know what he's wanting is tools you know he says you know it's just like a toolbox like our um, church's toolbox the spirit has given different people different tools whether they're hammers or saws or screwdrivers or so what kind of tool are you (laughs) (laughs) and uh, that they are for uh, God's glory and for the good of our body 
And generally, we break them down into three broad categories, uh, speaking gifts, serving gifts, and sign gifts. And so then we would say speaking gifts would be like a preacher or a teacher or someone who has exhortation. Uh, serving gifts might be hospitality or mercy or service mm. or helps. Evangelism would be over here in the speaking gifts. Um, administration is probably a serving gift. Um, mm -hmm. And then you would have your sign gifts like healing, um, prophecy, if prophecy means to like you're getting some type of revelation from God. I think sometimes prophesying means just preaching in the Bible. So foretelling hey. and foretelling. Yeah, foretelling and foretelling. Uh, speaking in tongues. Uh, so it's a must. It's yes. a must. Right, right. You don't have the spirit, or at least the second spirit, if you haven't spoken in tongues, right? Yeah, 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 yeah for sure. That's I mean, I would agree. My favorite. I, what? That's just my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think because we were talking about prophecy on the way here, I think prophecy is predominantly because there are, there's no more prophecy that's done. Um, but I think prophecy as a gift in the New Testament was mostly expository preaching. How can we expository know? expositing like the Old Testament in a way, because Christ was the final revelation of God. Mm -hmm. So Hebrews one yeah. or Luke, where he says, and starting with the old, you know, starting with you know the Old Testament, he walked through, or the I forget the word he uses, but starting, and then he moved through and pointed to how the scriptures pointed him. I think prophecy in that way. Is 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 that and now that we have a completed New Testament Old Testament, that's done. Right. I but think it's it's. An I think it could thing. be both. I it think you see it being used as, like you said, foretelling and foretelling, like gotcha. telling this is you know thus says the Lord. If you don't repent in right. forty five days, we're going to destroy all of Nineveh. That would be kind of a. This is ringing a bell. I didn't fact check the crap out of this. Nice. Um, but I think I heard somebody say that even if you look at the Old Testament prophets, something like 90% of what they are saying is, this is how God is speaking now. And only like 10% is this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. So 90% is this is just God's word of judgment <laughs> against all of the stuff that Israel was doing wrong at the time, which is more... I, I, I see a lot of parallel between that and modern day preaching, taking right. the words of God and making application to the hearers, not so much, you know, you're but, going to whatever tomorrow. And Yeah, I don't disagree. I, I guess the key difference is in that time that that was limited to only people God was directly speaking to. In our time, everyone who has the word could theoretically prophesy and, and that's why I think right. prophecy today is simply preaching the word. Right. That's what yeah. we were just yeah. talking about on the way yeah. here. I use a different analogy for spiritual gifts. I always use, because Paul talks about like the difference in spiritual gifts and like everyone can't have the same spiritual gifts. I always use Megazord, which is when all of the Power Rangers assemble mm. and make the giant robot. Or Voltron. Yeah, for Voltron. For the they, 80s kids. Yeah, yeah. It would be ridiculous. Or for the Lutherans. <laughs> yes, uh, uh, Mighty Fortresses or Voltron. Um, <laughs> this is a Luther hymn. Sorry. So I got it. Thank you. Um, it would be ridiculous if they all assembled to be a giant foot. That's what I normally say. Yeah, it's just then a giant just... left foot. Right. At the when they needed the to that extra oomph to be the bad guy, and they all assembled. 
they were just a left foot. Right. That would be, be weird. But right. that you have to have that diversity, and I think that's and that kind of goes back to what we were saying about desiring the office. It's like you don't necessarily just because someone is good at theology put them in a pastoral position right. um, because they may be more, you know. Right. have a spiritual gift that does something else than expository preach and you need that diversity in that and that's why one thing I think gets overlooked especially especially in a charismatic movement or charismatic churches is pretty much just about prophesying speaking in tongues healing and if you yeah Paul so definitely is talking and about the honey words. bucket and the honey yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. The honey yeah. barrel and the honey, honey barrel. barrel honey barrel honey, barrel, barrel, honey pot Fire <laughs> I think honey pot honey, is it's a honey else. barrel. It's a it's honey a, yeah, barrel. honey pot is something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honey barrel. Honey barrel. That's, yeah, what, that's what it was called. Yeah. So. Yeah. So back to Paul. Um, right. <laughs> he's definitely no, no, no. He definitely says, you know, there's one spirit, right. one body, multitude of uh, gifts. We are all members. We're all, yeah, and he does talk about not everyone is the same, and that you shouldn't be jealous of another gift. Um. I think another, although this isn't biblical in the sense that Paul didn't write it, I think a practical thing that we see, at least I've seen, is, you know, so Paul's talking about, hey, I, that person has the gift of teaching, and I want to be a teacher. I think another kind of the reverse of that I've seen personally is where people maybe have the gift of evangelism or the gift of service, and like they're on fire for that thing. And then they look at other people and they're like, you should also be just as on fire for mm-hmm. service as yep. I am on service. And if you're not, you're not a true Christian. Because right. if y'all aren't serving, like, and I'm like, no, dude, you've been gifted for service. Mm-hmm. And while we've all been called to serve, we've all been called to evangelize, we're not all going to have that as a passion that we're really good at. Um, yeah. And so if you find what that passion is and what you're good at, then pour yourself into it and, and then obviously there's some things that we're all called to do but we're not going to do them as well as someone who's been gifted to do that right yeah alright well I think that that probably wraps up this episode unless so just to be clear you are endorsing sign gifts today yes um, that's what I heard pretty sure <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I guess we never really talked about whether sign gifts are around. Let's finish this by just going around and saying yes or no. Just yes or no. Just yes are, or they, or are no? the sign gifts active today? Okay, Kiefer. No. Sarah? If my only choices are yes or no, then I would have to say yes, but it's highly qualified <laughs> yes. Okay. That was more than yes just or yes no. or no. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Maybe. I do not accept that answer. Yeah. Uh, I don't like the terms of my own game. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's a cheater. <laughs> but he's I, a cheater. I, I would, I think, be very close to Michael's yes. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. In, but not a sparky yes. Yeah. Uh, sparky, sparky burn. Like, yeah. can, I, can I elaborate my yes. answer? Yes. Just on, the next, on the next, on the next, on the next podcast. We, I don't know. I think the no, next no, one no, might no, be. No. We're going straight into Q and A, so this is. I would say. No, I think they're all um, probably misunderstood, especially like speaking in tongues, I think is very misunderstood. I think if you read, it's actual languages. So I think that I think that those could be active today, kind of like what we were saying earlier. And if you're someone's going to a small tribe that has literally never heard the gospel, God may use that. He may want you to speak in tongues of another language. I'm not going to say that 
God did not do miracles, but I don't think that what we see today, how these big revivals and people pushed on the floor and healed on the spot Lots and of people all of get that. their legs like to the right length. <sighs> Repeatedly, I don't think that those stories about that. It's amazing. I don't think that those are any type of proper demonstration of a gift or a real gift at all. Yeah, and that's that's my highly qualified guess. Yes, and then kind of what what you just said is my highly qualified guess. Yes, so and some people think like if you're a cessationist, oh, you don't think that God does miracles? Well, of course I think that God does miracles. That's evident in every single day. I just don't think that. Um, the way that the, I should say, the hyper-charismatic and maybe even the majority of charismatic believers take them, I just don't think that's the right. proper way. And kind of like talking about prophecy, like we already determined prophecy is just preaching. So, sure, prophecy is still alive in that sense, but I don't think we're going to go up to people like, oh, your baby's going to be a boy and he's going to be a such as, like, that's not, right. and I don't see any scripture backing for that. And I think a distinction needs to be made between a one-off miracle and having the gift of some Yes, miracle. and that's, that's what I mean by God does miracles. Right. Yeah. I mean, we have prayed over somebody who had a tumor and they went into surgery and the tumor was gone. But that, to me, so, doesn't line up with the gift of healing that's no, given in the New Testament. I don't think I, I don't think, think I have the gift of healing. Right. God answered it. Uh, right. Because when you see it in, act, in action in the New Testament, it's like John going, you're Boop, healed. Right. And there's no question. They do that. fall back, though, just like <laughs> Right. Yeah. So I think we're all pretty much on the same page with yeah, that. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. This girl, this girl has legitimately unbuttoned 90% of my shirt. So I'm just holding her to cover up. <laughs> it's not that kind of podcast. I look like Don Johnson she's and thinking, This has been a weird day. Yes. Yeah. So anyways. <laughs> she's doing great, quite frankly. I'm pretty... So then, have y'all seen the... Um, video that's entitled the holy ghost doesn't work like this and it's the guy no. he's like running around spouting gibberish and then he like twitches and falls down I've we're all in several. agreement that that's not no that's, that might no, no, be no. demon Speaking possession maybe yeah. what's that i said that that sounds more like possession of not yeah. lutheran right. satire has uh c3po <laughs> coming in and you know he's a cyborg that has all those languages yeah. and they're like they're trying to find someone to speak in tongues, and he's like, "Oh, I know like sixty-nine or whatever a million languages." <laughs> like, no, that's not a language. That's not a language. And then someone starts speaking. He's like, "I think you have a demon." So it's a, it's a. If you haven't seen that Lutheran satire, look it up. I will. have to because that sounds really funny. Oh well, this episode is brought to you by Lutheran satire. <laughs> definitely not Ligonier. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. Michael, think well. Do justice. Love mercy and walk humbly. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. You've been listening to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. 